Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, welcome to Nerds Talking Wrestling. I am your host, as always, DJ Bush, and joining me today from the great north, the land of the lakes, Minnesota itself, Mr. Ryan Davey. How are you doing tonight, my friend? I am doing absolutely fantastic. How are you? I, I am doing great. Uh, let's just talk first about what happened tonight on AEW Rampage or, I'm sorry, Dynamite is Wednesday Dynamite. and they actually called it Standoff or Grand Slam, something like that. But anyway, the acclaimed are your new AEW World Tag Team Champions. Uh, for me, I love the acclaimed. What are your thoughts about this? Hey, it was a great match. Um, you know, it's definitely a title change that was well-deserved, and, you know, I can't wait to see how they do with it. And you being from Minnesota, you have to be a tag team fan because there's so many AWA tag teams that come to mind when you think tag team wrestling. Oh, absolutely. You know, especially, you know, growing up in the 80s, and watching, you know, AWA, NWA, JCP, WWE, tag team wrestling was a staple point. So tonight was definitely right up there for me. Well, let's jump into this. Let's get to know the man that will be here for a four-part series, my co-host for the next couple weeks, Mr. Ryan Davey. Uh, first of all, what makes you a nerd? You know, just the love of what it is that I get into and, you know, that gets my focus. And especially, like, with the history of pro wrestling right now and just learning, wanting to learn the best and learning how organizations came to be and learning what every what everything that went into it entailed. And the next question that goes along with what you're talking about, what makes you a wrestling fan? Everyone has that one story, that one person that what they watched wrestling with for the first time. What is your story? Well, I think some of it was, you know, my dad had an interest when I was growing up. Um, but it wasn't like he was a diehard fan or whatever. It was kind of like, for me you know what rushing home after church to watch the AWA um early Sunday morning watching Hogan take on Bakwiko and Saito and then Hogan jumping to the WWF and one of the first matches that I can remember that it just like the match that kind of hooked me was the Rock and Roll Express versus uh the Guerrero brothers for the NWA World's Heavyweight title or tag team titles excuse me and it was like a one-hour show, and that match was the whole hour. And even just that, I was like, wow, this is just absolutely fantastic. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, the fans know this. Uh, the match that got me into it was Dusty versus Flair, 
1985 Starcade, where Dusty finally got to become the world's heavyweight champion. And that match, the storytelling of that match, it's what made six-year-old me was like, hey, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm, I don't know how, I don't know why, but I'm going to do this. And, and I ever think, since then, oh, go ahead. And I think to some degree, that's kind of the lost art today is that, that build, you know, where it wasn't just like a four week build or whatever. I mean, this was Flair and Dusty Rhodes. That was like almost a full year that they told that story. Cause I, I remember that as well. Yeah. And that is, it is truly a lost art form because Vince McMahon used to book WrestleMania to WrestleMania. He knew the whole feud for the at Mania the next year and spent the whole year leading up to it. And now it's just like, oh, cool. Why, why do you guys hate each other so much? Does four weeks of back and forth really mean y'all need to have an extreme rules match or a hell in a cell match. Uh, it's definitely gotten lost with gimmick matches becoming a thing. And that actually leads me to my next question. What is your favorite gimmick match of all time? Um, very good question. And I would say, and this will probably go to that one match where you're just like, wow, you know, you're amazed that they did it, but you're glad that everybody survived. And that would be Undertaker, Mick Foley, Hell in the Cell. Um, because there's no way they were ever going to top that match. And for what Mick Foley went through to just entertain the crowd, that's one of those where you know that he loved what he was doing and he wanted to give everything that he had to, to try to top Shawn Michaels and the undertaker. So if there's one match that I look back upon and I say that that was the best gimmick match I ever saw, it was hell in the cell. I agree with that to an, a certain only match I've truthfully think is better in a gimmick type, uh, would have to, I believe it was the first NXT war games. It was authors of pain with Roderick strong, uh, undisputed era. And what was the, there was the third team, but I, I'm blanking. Was it sanity? Sanity. Sanity was the third team. That match just, to me, it was one of the best. No, it, it is the best War Games match I've seen. You know, and the other match that take, but and the other match that comes to mind is like for me the first ladder match I ever saw, and that was Shawn Michaels Razor Ramon WrestleMania ten. Um, the storytelling in that match, you know, Shawn Michaels leaves with the Intercontinental Title. Razor wins the the Intercontinental Title tournament, and then the the build up to that match was just absolutely extraordinary. And then the match itself was, you know, it, it, to me it doesn't get any better in a ladder match at that time. 
I the only ladder match that has come close since is when they added tables and chairs to it with the Dudleys, Christian and Edge, and the Hardy Boys. That was the only other ladder match that actually got me on the edge of my seat. And like I agree one hundred percent, Michaels. I agree one hundred percent. So you being from the heart of the AWA, were you an AWA guy or an NWA oh, guy? I was both. I never any of this will, you know, and I'm sure we'll get into it later on. But even during the Battle of the Monday Night Wars, I never picked a side. I just enjoyed my wrestling. I never was a pro AWA guy or pro NWA guy. I loved everything I watched. And if you're a true wrestling fan, like right now, people are saying the AEW, WWE, Impact Wars, and I'm just like, guys, just sit back and watch wrestling because it doesn't matter who you're watching. The indies have even stepped it up uh, with AEW becoming a thing and AEW actually looking at indie wrestlers. I feel like indie shows have gotten a thousand times better right now is the time to be alive. And I would compare it to the AWA NWA feud. Oh, and I agree completely, and which will actually lead me to where a lot of my research over the last month or so had been going, and that was the uh, the works between Vern Gagne and Jim Crockett, because it's one of those that you wish it would have worked out better, because had they been able to put their egos aside, I think that they'd been able to give Vince McMahon a run for his money. But unfortunately, in that case, egos just took over and you if know, they put their egos aside could they have been no and and here's why and i'm going to give you one name paul kogan you know irregardless of what people think about hulk hogan hulk hogan is probably going to go down as one of the top five greatest draws ever I mean, all he had to do in a match was get beat down, hulk up, leg lock, or big boot, leg drop, send the crowd home happy. And that was all he had to do, and it worked. And I, I mean, and it had Vince not gotten Hulk Hogan, I mean, it may be a different story, but, you know, that 84 to 89 run for Hogan may be, it's right up there with Stone Cold Steve Austin in the late 90s. I mean, he was, he was about as over as one could possibly be. This is a what if I've gotten from my research. What if Hogan would have stayed with AWA and the AWA-NWA partnership actually worked and we got Flair versus Hogan? Could that have been more of a draw than, you know, Hogan's 84 to 89 reign and Flair versus Dusty? Ladies and gentlemen, we are experiencing technical difficulties like always on this show. Just bear with us one moment. We are going to see if we can get Ryan back. Are you there? I am here. We got him back. Uh, But my question was, if things would have changed and Hogan would have stayed with AWA during the AWA partnership, 
could Flair versus Hogan biggest draw? And as over as Hogan was in the AWA, and all you have to do is look over the Thanksgiving night between Bachwinkle and Hogan for the AWA title and the riot that almost caused, I think it would have been bigger than WrestleMania. I mean, Hogan was that over at that time. Thunderlips, Rocky Three. I mean, I don't know if Vern truly knew what he had with Hogan as per a draw. There is a so it, lot of wrestlers I don't think Vern knew what he had when he had him. The biggest one for me is the Road Warriors, uh, the Legion of Doom. Call them what you want, Hawk and Animal. And absolutely, the Road Warriors, and in my opinion, the greatest tag team to ever do it. I mean, that's just my personal take. Um, oh, see, that's a very hot take because I would argue that Ole and Arn Anderson or even Ole and Gene Anderson, the original Anderson brothers, were the greatest tag team to ever do it. And I, I'm not going to dispute the Minnesota Wrecking Crew because, I mean, um, but but you look – and then obviously for me – Gene and Ole was just a little bit ahead of my time as per being the draws that the Road Warriors were. Um, and that's what I'm basing it on. You know, Gene and, and the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, as per wrestlers, up there with Race and Henning, you know, the Briscoe brothers. And I'm not talking about, you know, the current Briscoes. I mean, Mark and our uh, – God, their, their names are escaped uh, me from – Jay, Gerald Briscoe, and... Gerald and... Yeah, the, the, that Briscoe brothers. I mean, and one of them was the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, and it's the one I'm not remembering. Um, so, I mean, they were great wrestlers in their own right. The reason that I'm not a huge comparison guy, though, is because you look at when the Road Warriors came in, and this even goes to Hogan, Flair, Dusty Rhodes, they knew how to use television to their advantage to draw a house where back before then, and not that TV wasn't prevalent, but it wasn't as nationwide as, say, as it was in the 80s. I mean, territories were, were so hot. That's why, I mean, USWA, AWA, you know, even mid uh Midwest, you know, um, or Mid-Atlantic. And then, uh, you know, the Von Erichs had Dallas. You know, the Von Erichs were just as big a draw as anywhere in Dallas, but, you know, they didn't have to go anywhere else. They were just making money hand over fist just in Dallas. Very true. And then you have the WWA in Indianapolis with Dick the Bruiser. And what was the Iron Sheik's promotion in Detroit? I think you're talking about the original Sheik. And that would be yes, big time wrestling. Sheik. Yes. Uh, that feud, I have to say, was up there with uh, the AWA and NWA and the WWF versus the territories. And, and if you want to put the original Sheik, I mean, once again, as big a draw as anybody. I mean, 
this is why I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the whole comparison because, I mean, you could definitely throw Jerry Lawler in that sentence with the USWA in the Memphis area. And as long as he did it, I mean, you know, he definitely deserves to be in that kind of consideration as well. Uh, yes. Who would you say was the greatest promoter of the territory era? Um, I will give you my top three, and oh. because I don't know if I can, I can say a greatest. It would be Vern, Jim Crockett, and then Bill Watts. Okay. I, you look at, you look at what Bill Watts did in the early to mid eighties and the houses he drew dry are selling up for dome and in the, in the mid eighties, fantastic feat. Very true of, uh, I would actually put Bill Watts as my number one. My number two would have been Vern and my number three would have been dusty Rhodes Cause when he was the booker slash, he wasn't really the promoter, but when he, he was the booker, which we will get into that as well. He is what made Georgia Championship Wrestling and JCP. And I mean, Crockett definitely deserves to be in that in that consideration because prior to trying to be have that mentality of beating Vince, nobody drew more money as well as as Crockett. But you know. Um, and and if you go promoter slash booker, I mean, those are my top three. Where would you put Jerry Lawler in that? If you had to expand it to a top ten, where would you think Jer- Jerry Lawler would fall in a top ten? Here's where Lawler was very super smart, and that was he knew how over he was in that Memphis area. And when – Jerry Jarrett and and I am going to draw a blank on the name of who they split with in the original Memphis territory back in the early to mid seventies. Jerry Jarrett knew what draw he had in Jerry Lawler, and actually gave him half ownership of the USWA. Jerry and Lawler is still a draw in Memphis today. He has a absolutely, absolutely a barbecue pit. So uh, he is still a draw. I would argue that Memphis has two kings and Elvis is number two to Jerry Lawler. I I will not disagree with that take. But let's move on. Favorite wrestlers of every era. So let's start with the 80s. 80s? My favorite? Well, I got to put Hogan up there as much as I can look back upon it and say just – Wow, how cheesy he was. He's the guy who really drew me in and was just like, you know, that was the guy that I became the hugest fan of. Um, You've been saying Hogan a lot. I have one burning question. You say he was the biggest draw, but you've never said he was the best wrestler. What do you think of his in-ring ability? You look at his early Japan work, and it amazed me. He can go. But when he got to the WWE and 
I never didn't really get a chance, and I don't remember a lot of his AWA work. But like I said earlier, when he got to the WWE, he didn't have to put on a technical style match. I mean, basically, they had a formula, they worked it to a T, and they made a crap ton of money with it. Um, as in a technical, from my perspective, would I put him in the top 10? No. Hogan would not be in my top 10 technical wrestlers of all time. But with that being said, he is, and I'm going to quote Gorilla Monsoon, he might not have known the difference between a wrist lock and a wrist watch. Problem is, is he didn't have to. He was very true. He didn't have to. I mean, he all he had to do was, you know, like I said earlier, do the beat down, the Hulk up, send the crowd home happy, and that was the formula, and it worked. You know, you can't argue that it didn't work because it worked tremendously to a T. Favorite wrestler of the nineties. Um, my, my personal favorite, and this will tell you who my, I'm the biggest fan of all time, Mr. Perfect, Kurt Hennig, but Shawn Michaels, um, Shawn Michaels was by far my favorite wrestler of the early nineties and going into the late nineties, um, because that changed. I would say it would be a combination of the New World Order as a whole. Hold on. The New World Order as a whole and then The Rock. Okay, I would I would agree with all four of those. Uh, Kurt Henning is up there. What do you think of Curtis Axel? Because I believe that he just never got the shot to prove what he was capable of. That every match he had you caught a glimpse of what he could do. I, I, and I agree completely. I think had the machine given him, you know, a, a great plat, a platform that, you know, they were allowed to just let him be him. And unfortunately by that time, Vince really started micromanaging everything. And I just don't think he saw it, saw it in him for whatever reason. And, that unfortunately was a lot of Vince's downfalls there in the you know 2010s plus, and that leads us to the 2000s. So that'll be 2000 to 2009. You know the only name that I will say that I religiously followed, and this might surprise a lot of people, would be AJ Styles. Um, uh, same, you know, when he started with TNA and the first time I started watching TNA was in 2004 and I was actually in college at the time and me and a friend would go home or go to his place and because we'd have break between classes and at, on Fox sports North, you know, I was able to catch TNA and him, Christopher Daniels. I mean, they just absolutely blew my mind. Um, uh, this tells the age difference between us, but I was uh, in elementary school and I would do the same, watch Fox Sports North, but I actually got introduced to him on Ring of Honor. I think it was like 2002, 2003. He was on a, on a very early Ring of Honor show. Uh, 
X-Pac was going by 6-Pac on the show, and it had a very early Brian Danielson, and I just remember seeing AJ's entrance, and I was like, okay, who's this dude? So I'm a couple years later on Impact, and I was like, all right. I, I think I religiously followed AJ Styles in the early 2000s up to his WWE, and I followed WWE. So let me ask you this question going to AJ Styles, and this will go to the what-if scenario. What if WCW had stayed afloat and Time Warner, Time AOL Warner hadn't done what they'd done? Would AJ Styles still have been the draw when he went to WCW as the tag team wrestler? Uh, this is going to be a very lengthy answer, and I am sorry, but I have planned this whole scenario out. So here's the timeline of what would have happened with AJ Styles if he would have went to WCW, in my opinion. He did go to WCW. I mean, if it would have actually... Okay, I just wanted to correct you. A little bit earlier, or... Okay. uh, I believe he could have... He would have started in the tag team, then break out his weight, which would have led New Japan to spot him just a little bit earlier and uh, AAA and CMML would have saw him just a little bit earlier than they did bringing him in uh, and I believe he would have had a true run in New Japan from I would say 2001 because I believe WWE still would have passed on him or tried to uh, do something with him in the cruiserweight division and him just fizzle out I I don't know why, but I truly believe he would have went to New Japan and have been the best new IWGP junior heavyweight champion until 2006 when he would have left New Japan for Ring of Honor, become Ring of Honor champion, come in to the WWE in 2009, 2010, and he would have been the face from 2010 up to now. Uh, that's just my personal thought on AJ Styles. And I'm not going to disagree with that. If he could have just got the spotlight a little bit earlier than he did, we would be talking about AJ Styles in a whole nother light. And that leads us to the 2010s. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. I am sorry. Just like always, we have been experiencing... Can you hear me? Yes. My apologies. My mic cut out on me. (laughs) That's perfectly fine. Uh, If you have not listened to the show before... We cur- we always run into technical difficulties. Uh, I'm pretty sure wrestling. I may be changing the name of the show. Hello. Technical difficulties. But and- yep. Are you back? Can you hear me? 
Especially oh. when you have a pin. Yes, I can hear yes, you. Sir, can you hear me? Uh, All right, favorite wrestler. Okay, so as I was stating, at that point I wasn't like I didn't have a personal favorite. Um, TNA, you know, it had Bobby Roode, James Storm was coming out on his own. You know, the X Division, Samoa Joe. I mean, I was becoming fans of all these guys. I have to make an argument for Eric Young on that. Oh, Eric, absolutely. Absolutely. And this will probably um, tell you kind of where I am as a fan. Because by this point, I wasn't just like set on one person. Um, I was kind of getting to be fan of kind of like everybody who was, you know, being able to put on a great match. You know, even in the WWE, you know, and then, as, as much as this is probably going to be a little bit of a hot issue today, CM Punk was tearing it up. I mean, you know, and go back to the Hogan formula. John Cena was as over as anybody, and I was, I was a fan. Um, um, I was a fan of Punk and Cena. And I mean, and as as much as everybody wanted to, and yeah, I love that he played off it too. You know the four moves of doom, and but as AJ Styles said, you know he could go. You know it wasn't one of those things where, you know, it was like I think everybody wanted to hate on him because he was just that over. Um, you know, and then of course, and and I, at that point, then Bray Wyatt was I think really captivated me with just being how different and how different his presentation was. And then of course, you know, and then of course, you know, then he changes it up to the fiend. And I was just like, you know, stunned that, that that was just where he went with it. So it became one of those for me. uh, For me, it was always abyss. Hey, I'm I'm not this. I'm not, and you can't argue with his loyalty to TNA either. Uh, no, but moving on from wrestling, who's your favorite superhero? You know, I was always partial to Batman. That to my next question: Who is here? I am Batman. Who is Batman? So I grew up. With, and this is going to really take me back to my youth. I grew up with the the late '60s Batman TV show, where it was just that corny, cheesy, over the top, but it sold me. And then when you get to Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson as the Joker, that was the movie that it really solidified me as a fan. Um, Jack Nicholson. I mean, uh, Michael is my Batman, but. At West, you West is Batman, but everyone has their own personal Batman. You know, and then um, and then it was kind of like after that, the Batmans really never were a good take for me. It was always on the villains. Um, you know, Jim Carrey as the Riddler, and then we don't talk you know, about Clooney and Kilmer as Batman. 
Yeah. <laughs> true, too. Too true. Um, but it was just like after that, you know, Christian Bale was an okay Batman, but it never really sold me like that, that I, 80s movie. I thought Ben Affleck was the perfect Batman. For the Batman don't think I ever saw it. Supposed to be. Oh, wow. You, I don't think I ever saw that one. Wa- you need to give it a watch. I haven't seen Robert Pattinson, but I plan on giving it a watch. But for the I Bat- will definitely have to do that. For the Batman Ben Affleck was supposed to be, he was that Batman. Besides Clooney and Kilmer, for every Batman based off the story that they were going from the comics, that Batman was the Batman that was supposed to be Batman. I will definitely have to give that a look. Who is your favorite? What is your favorite comic storyline? Um, so this is going to be a very emotional one for me because of how it got introduced to me. But um, the comic, my best friend and, and God rest his soul, you know, was really huge into comics. And the one that he really sold me on was G.I. Joe. And I will take you to my favorite comic. And it was the one where like 90% of them got buried under volcano ash and died. Wow, G.I. Joe got dark. I'm going to have to give it a read. And it did. And this was probably, I'm going to say, early 90s, like late 89 to early 90. Um, And yeah, because, I mean, unfortunately, he passed away in 97. But yeah, he was uh, a huge comic book guy. And I remember reading that comic, and it was just like, you know, so that would probably be my favorite comic strip uh, or my favorite would, comic moment. Mine would have to be the crossover that they did with Power Rangers and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That comic was superb. It, perfect in my favorite movie. Favorite movie or comedy Spaceballs? is my favorite movie of all time, bar none. All right. What about TV show? I Um, I love House. I will say that I, from probably the time, I missed probably the last two seasons for, because I started a personal relationship. Not that I didn't miss it on purpose, but, you know, by that point, you know, priorities take over. Um, but House was by far one of my favorite, you know, that and The Simpsons. I love The Simpsons. Uh, what about book? What is your favorite book? I don't think I was ever a huge reader, so I don't know if I have a favorite book per se. Man, of Mice to Men. I love that book. And the movie is pretty good as well. Uh, best superhero movie. Best superhero movie. Good question. Um, I can't, it's weird because I know everybody's going to want me to name something recent. And once again, because of my personal relationships, I haven't really seen anything recently. 
So uh, I'm going to go back to Batman with Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson. That That is a classic. But what is the worst superhero movie? Um, wow. Another good question. For, for me, say, Steel. Have you seen Steel? I, I can't say I have. And because I was, it and it's horrible. I think I do remember seeing parts of that, and I don't think I really ever got into it. And because I'm such a sucker for the classics, I'm going to say probably the reboot of Superman was kind of my least favorite. I I truly respect that. If you been to Metropolis, Illinois, you have to go. And I mean. As much as, you know, I and I was number two would be, you know, the the 80s Superman with uh, Keanu Reeves or not Keanu Reeves. Um, now nah, his name is going to slip my mind. I know it was George Reeves son, but I cannot remember the, the, his name to, to save my life right now. So I apologize. But, I, I mean, I do not know. Um, I will have to look that up and I will, but yeah, I was a huge mark for that Superman movie, you know, the, like the 79 through 84. And I know this, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but you love hockey. Is that a fair statement, sir? Can you repeat that please? Uh, I know this, but the fans do not know this. You are a huge hockey fan. Some would even say you love hockey. I am a huge, huge, huge college hockey fan. Um, I, I do watch some NHL, but I will you know, sit down in front of the TV every Friday and Saturday night and watch college hockey. And who is your favorite hockey team? Your favorite NCAA hockey team? St. Cloud State University. What about NHL? Minnesota Wild. I, I love the Wild. I'm a Blackhawks fan. And for NCAA, uh, I don't lot of, watch a lot of hockey. I don't even think they're officially a team. I still think they're a club. But got to give a shout out. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, and we'll, we'll kind of with this statement and, and go with next week. And because, you know, college hockey season is just upon us. And I will tell you the story of how I became a St. Cloud State fan. And that was my now girlfriend and her friend at the time had season tickets to St. Cloud State, but they can only afford one night. And, and I'm just like, college hockey? I don't know. I, I was only a Gophers fan at that point. Um, and I, and I told her, okay, you know, and their, their friend had backed out and was like, well, I can't do the tickets. So I said, okay, as long as you go with me, I will pay, I will buy this, you know, the half a season ticket halfway through the season, I got hooked. And then I have been a fan ever since. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we will conclude with this episode and move on to next week. But Friday night, 
uh, you're in the E-Feds, I'm in the E-Feds. There is a huge ACW pay-per-view called Beach Brawl. And the namesake match of the pay-per-view, Beach Brawl, we're seeing Misery and Renegade. They're teaming up. They're taking on the dedicated. Mr. Ryan Davey, who do you think is going to win the dedicated versus Misery and Renegade? I would say whatever team you're a part of. That That is a great way to win the show. By the way, that's the dedicated, ladies and gentlemen. We will have eFed results for you next week. Until then, stay nerdy.